What is going on, everyone? Social on the sidelines. We are back with a new and very special guest, Cassie Epstein, social media manager for Gillette Stadium. Cassie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, thank you for coming on the show. Now, we also have a new sponsor, Amara. Take it away. This is super exciting. So this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Women in Sports Tech, or WIST, and their new career hub, the WIST Network, www.wistnetwork.org. So 50% of the U.S. labor force, sports fans, and athletes are women, and yet the representation of women in sports tech is a small fraction of that. WIST is committing to changing the ratio. Check them out. Super excited to have them. Super thankful to WIST. Uh, we definitely need more representation in sports, but especially in just in general in the workforce. So Amara and I are super pleased. I'm sure Cassie is too, to be a part of this as well and to help change that dynamic. Um, obviously two brilliant and talented women on the show right now, um, and hopefully many more in the industry to come. Uh, Cassie, let's get started here. You know, you are one of the brightest minds, in my opinion, in the industry, um, especially on Twitter. Great follow. Always appreciate the insight that you bring there. Um, but going into your current role, social media manager at Gillette Stadium, tell us a little bit about the background, how you got to where you are right now. Um, and yeah, any other pertinent information uh, for our listeners? Yeah, I feel, well, I mean, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm really happy to be here. I love listening to your podcast. So it's it's an honor for me to be here talking to you. <laughs> I had, I think it's like a lot of people that work in sports tend to have like a really weird journey to get to where they were. Like I was in college as a theology and psychology major. So like this was not something that I had planned for myself, but kind of fell into an internship my junior year with um, the Patriots marketing department um, and just like loved it. Like it was just something I never even thought was like something I could do in my life. Like I was a woman, I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. Like I just never really even thought about sports as being an industry that I could go into. Um, and then after working there was just like obsessed with it, like loved the craziness of it, loved the madness of it all, like the high intensity pace of working in the sports industry. Um, and then after that internship, I moved over and got an internship with our business affairs um, and external our business development and external affairs department, which is actually where I work now. And that kind of transitioned over into, I tell people it's basically like all our full stadium events that don't fall under soccer or football. So it's concerts, it's NCAA tournaments, it's motorsports. We had the Dalai Lama one year. So I interned there and then was just thought that that was just the perfect fit for me. It kind of combined both sports and music, which are just two of my loves. Um, and so kept working, you know, game days and part-time through my senior year. And then when I graduated, you know, started working literally the day after my graduation and I've been there ever since. So it's been 14 years at this point. Like it's a little crazy, but <laughs> been there for a oh, very wow. long time and kind of helped see our department grow, which has been really cool. That's awesome. So I am a fellow psych major. So I'm like super yes. excited to hear that because I feel like I want to hear your opinion because when people ask me like what I majored in, they're like, oh, marketing, right? I'm like, no, I'm actually a psychology mm -hmm. major, but actually it's super, like, it's been really helpful. So I want to hear like, what do you think, it, how do you think that degree has helped you throughout your career? I totally agree. You know, I think it's, I think I read people really well and kind of have that understanding of situations and that I think, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily gotten otherwise. And for me, I was lucky there were a couple courses that I did take that kind of 
reached into the sports realm. So there was like, you know, psychology of marketing and then I took psychology of sports. So I think once I realized that sports was an interest of mine to go into, you know, postgraduate, found every kind of course that would reach into it. So I think that was super, super helpful for me because like psychology of sports and the business of it is so interesting. Um, you know, I always tell people too, like working in, in live events, like you just meet the wildest people and just the craziest crews that come through and like a live concert music event is just like, it really helps to really read people well and understand different personalities and kind of what any situation is gonna need. So I like to think that that background helps me a little bit in those situations. For sure. Um, so Cassie, it sounds pretty atypical in the sense that, especially within the social and digital industry, you know, you hear a lot of bouncing around and, mm -hmm. you know, going from different organization to different organization. I think uh, you're, I think one of our first guests that has, you know, plentiful experience over 10 years at one specific organization. So mm -hmm. that being said, tell us a little bit about, you know, why, um, the Gillette Stadium and the organization you're at right now is the right fit and how it's evolved in those 14 years, because surely what you were doing at the onset of it is much different than what you're doing now in terms of maintaining a brand presence. Um, so yeah, if, if you'd be willing to go into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've, I've just been so lucky to work for the craft organization and, you know, to work with the Patriots and the revolution and all of our concerts that come in. I mean, it's a venue that hosts just the, the biggest events in the world. So I've just been so lucky to be just like a small part of that. Um, and, you know, working for the craft family, like you are working for, for a family and that's a really nice, I think, you know, difference of just like a big corporation. It does kind of bring that, that family, you know, kind of dynamic to it. Um, and I, you know, I've also been lucky. I've loved my department. And I think, you know, the people that you directly work for and work with is so important in the workplace, you know, more so than necessarily the big company. It's like those people that you're really working with every day. And my boss, you know, from day one has always been really open to if there's things that we want to try and build upon or start something new, you know, as long as we can do our job and also start something else, like he's just always been really open to that and really, you know, encourages that, you know, us branching out. And so when I started, you know, I graduated college in 08. And so social media was just not what it is today. I mean, we didn't have social channels for the company. Um, and so it was literally one day that we were working on like a promotional plan for a concert that was coming up. And, you know, traditional media is like, you know, radio, TV and, and paper advertising. And I think at one point I just like literally came to me that was just like, I think we should just have like a Facebook page or something that we can communicate with fans, just thinking that that would be like an afterthought. And so, you know, my boss was like, great, like social media is not my thing, but like, if you want to take this and run with it, like go for it. And so it's really cool because I literally started with zero followers. So I've been able to be here from like follower one. Like I remember when we got our 100th follower, I remember when we got our 1000th and thought that was like the biggest thing that had ever happened in my life. We got like our first like verified follower, like all these little milestones that I've been lucky enough because I was there like literally from day one has been really cool. And I think that also, it. I think it brings me a little bit even more of that, like, I'm just so tied to those accounts because I was there from the inception that like, you are gonna to have to pry those out of my hands to get them away from me. Like, it's just like, there's just so much that had gone into that. And, you know, I certainly look back at <clears throat> the content from like, you know, 10 years ago and like, it is the most cringeworthy thing in the world. Like some of the stuff <laughs> that we were posting, 
just because like everyone like didn't know what was going on and it was so new and you were just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what stuck. So now it's definitely a more polished operation, but um, I've been really lucky. I mean, I've, I've been to six Super Bowls, you know, I have three Super Bowl rings, you know, we've had these really incredible experiences. So I've been really lucky to, to be a part of this organization for so long that it's, you know, it would take a lot to, to get me out of it. For sure. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm curious now, what what who was the first verified follower? I think it was John King from CNN because he's from Boston. Oh, that's a good one. That's so I was like, one. yeah, I'm like, I just, it was like such a big deal. I had never felt cooler in my life. And I think he still follows us. I think I checked like a little while ago because he was our first. It's a big day. That's, that's awesome. Um, I have a follow-up based on that. So can you tell us a little bit about what, the team looks like the the social team over at Gillette Stadium um who kind of it's composed of and, and how that kind of fits in in terms of the year management of that team um and just overall you know just kind of the structure yeah team is putting it in a very nice way it is it it had been just me for the first 12 years you know we have a coordinator now that you know it helps me pull together content and she's fantastic at, you know, you know, giveaway fulfillment and pulling sweepstakes together and getting all this content that we need. Um, so it really is just two of us. Our department is four people, but obviously social media is just not all that we do. So everyone's kind of helping everyone out. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, if it's a Patriots event or if it's a revolution soccer event, you know, I'm working with those social teams to, you know, gather that content and, you know, I'm amplifying what they are doing. So it's certainly not you know, just me pulling together soccer content, you know, they're the team that's really curating it and putting it together. And then, you know, I either put stuff out that they're not using or they're sending me other pieces that I can amplify. So it's a real team effort when it comes to like the different sports because they have their own social teams. We're just kind of in that weird gray area of venue, not not team or athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, is it super echoey? Is that just me? I don't hear an echo. Yeah. Okay. I, I heard an echo. Pretty good. Oh, <laughs> so being in one place for so long, um, so I've switched teams and, you know, Roz has gone different places. How do you continue to challenge yourself when you are in um, kind of not doing the same thing, but, you know, doing one thing for so long? What are things that you kind of look for to keep yourself like excited and challenge yourself, um, especially with such a small team? Yeah, it's a really good question. And there's definitely times where I feel like, you know, I need to reach out and do more of that. And sometimes I feel like I'm too overwhelmed. But I think for me, it's been, you know, I don't know if I would be in the same place for so long if it wasn't in a role that was always, you know, bringing in new events and new challenges. Like, you know, we have you know, in theory, concerts every year, you know, besides last year, obviously with the pandemic, but the concerts are so different and the fan bases are so different that it's always something new. Like we're not marketing, you know, to One Direction fans in the same way that we're marketing to Metallica, like, and, and nor do I speak to them the same way because that would be very odd. Um, so it's been really cool to be able to, you know, we brought in, like when I first started, we had, you know, one or two concerts a summer and, you know, now, we have, you know, between like four, six, seven concerts. So there's or events. So there's just so much more now that we're doing and bringing on because, you know, it's working out so well that there's also new events that we bring in. You know, like we didn't have motorsports when I first started. Um, 
and we didn't have, I mean, this past year, now we've also flexed to like doing events in our parking lot. Like there's always new kind of events that are coming online and that we're working with that I think that's what helps keep it new and different and challenging for me. Um, because those are, you know, we're working with different teams every time, different management, different tour promoters, um, and putting together kind of all those different plans to make sure that it's going well. Um, and that brings its own set of challenges because, you know, certainly tourists don't want to market the same way and don't want to post the same content. So I think that's really helped in keeping it, keeping it fresh for me. So that's super interesting because the other thing about, I think, being on the team side, at least in Amaro's and I experience is to some degree, the organization that you're joining, um, a lot of the history and who the players are and what the organization you know stands for um, is entailed within tone and voice and strategy. And so I'm curious, you know, with all these different events and sports teams, and you know, you alluded to it with Metallica and potentially One Direction, like I'm sure things are constantly changing from that aspect. So tell us a little bit about what goes into you know, that tone and voice strategy when it comes to all these different events over the course of a year. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we're lucky that we've had a lot of events and, and artists that have come back many times. We've been able to kind of create that history together. Like I think, you know, to your point, it's such, it's so great to have that like organizational history and kind of go back on those memories. And, you know, for us, we do kind of build that in a way in a very, you know, smaller sense of, you know, Kenny Chesney, for instance, has performed at our venue 19 times for over a million fans just at Gillette Stadium, you know, and so for those connections, you know, we really try to build upon that and, you know, create content that's highlighting, you know, his love for New England, New England's love for him and kind of make those storylines a piece of it. So they do have their own history. And, you know, the same with Taylor Swift, you know, she's performed here 10 times, you know, we were her first stadium that she performed in. So all of those little things I think that fans really value, you know, we kind of, we listen to the fans to see what's important to them, you know, and then kind of take that in and kind of, you know, bounce that back in our content to, you know, show that A, we're listening, we care about it. And now we're taking it into consideration to package it together in that content that they'd appreciate. Um, and I think I, I kind of like envision myself as like a chameleon because I just feel like with all the different fan bases that we know we're communicating with or speaking to, it's a different tone, it's different content that they're looking for. So it's always kind of changing that voice. You know, it's not just one brand voice. I mean, obviously there's that overarching, like we have like a polished, you know, maybe funny sometimes, but it's definitely different depending on who we're speaking to. Um, and so I think, you know, before we get, if we have a new event coming in, like the first year we had One Direction, I did not know anything about One Direction. It was just not, that was just not in my wheelhouse. So like I watched, every youtube i could there was like a documentary about them from like x factor i think is where they came from and watched everything i could kind of like learned the inside jokes of the band learned what their fans called themselves like learned like all these different dynamics so that when i'm speaking with the fans like on twitter for example i can kind of use their same language and then they'll hear that this isn't just a random event that we're hosting like we're invested in it like you are like this is such an important event to you it's also important to us. And we want to take care of these artists that you so deeply care about. You know, we're investing that time as well. And it doesn't just feel like, you know, there's like a 55 year old guy behind the Twitter account that's like trying to talk to like these teens, you know, it's, there's a little bit more authenticity with it, which I think fans can really see through very quickly and appreciate when it's, when it's genuine. 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask a similar question just to, I you think you probably kind of answered this, but so when I was doing, when I worked at the Grizzlies, um, I was also handling their arena and I really struggled with finding the voice and not even the voice, but like a personality because it's like literally just an arena. So like, I'm just curious how, cause you said like, sometimes it's funny. Like, I'm just curious if you can tell everybody how you kind of implement personality into it, because at the end of the day, like, like Boz was alluding to like our players kind of speak for themselves, right? Like we can just amplify that and we have a tone already, but as far as personality, how do you go from like, I'm not just a stadium, you know, is that like, I feel yeah. like no, it's, it's the weirdest thing because everyone's like, you're a cement building. Like, why are you even on Twitter? And I'm like, it's a fair question. Like it is a building. There is no personality here, but you know, obviously, and I know, you know, marketers always talk about like, you know, Cassie Epstein is not at Gillette stadium. Like I am not the brand. Like I am just the one that is managing these handles. So obviously like my opinions and my personality aren't, you know, what I'm showcasing off in those channels. But I mean, like, I also do think I'm kind of funny sometimes. Like I try to be like, I have that banter with fans. And I think it's just, it's just a lot of listening to the fans. And if they are like, you know, the younger fans these days really value, I think that sense of like feeling seen and feeling heard and even a like or a quick reply is really, really important. And I think they, there's a lot of value there, you know, for our older fans. Like that's just not what they care about. It's like, please just tell me when tickets go on sale, when parking lots open, when the gate opens. And like, that's what I want. Like, I don't need you like coming up with inside jokes and replying with 13 emojis because it's Taylor Swift's favorite number. Like that's just not what they're in it for. And that's fine. You know, everyone's coming for something else. So I think it's, you know, like listening to them. And, and once you start kind of having those conversations back and forth with fans, I think for me, it's just kind of presented itself. Like, the Taylor Swift fans just like love having those conversations and love having that personal touch. And so through the years of having those, you know, there have been those strong connections that have been made and fans that feel very connected to the venue because she's been here so much. And because we put in the time and effort to hear what fans are interested in and hear what they want, you know, if it's more giveaways, if it's more behind the scenes access, you know, why would someone follow a stadium? You know, people ask that all the time, like it's offensive and it's not offensive. It's such a good question. And the answer to that is, you know, how I guide the social strategy. Like, why would you follow a stadium? And so whether it's for content that you're not getting anywhere else, if it's for giveaways, if it's for, you know, exclusive photos or behind the scenes access, you know, whatever that is, you know, that's what I want to then give to the fans because why else would they follow us? For sure. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it at the beginning of all of this, but one of my favorite Twitter followers, follows, you're always putting out something that's relatable uh, for social folks and sometimes not even social folks. So talk a little bit about, you know, how you kind of built uh, your own personal social and how you think that fits into the larger picture of being a digital and social professional. Um, not to say at all that, you know, you need to, to be active on your own social media to be competent and good on a professional standpoint, but just kind of your overall philosophy from a personal standpoint in terms of how you go about your own personal social. Yeah, I think, you know, I think everyone always says authenticity, but it, it just really is like what it is. Like, I'm not trying to be like a thought leader or like creating these like really thought provoking like statements out there. Like, it's just like how I'm living my life. And if I didn't understand something or I did this giveaway and it was a huge failure, like, sure, I'm going to share that too. And 
it was interesting. I feel like the more early on, the more I kind of shared like how either like little I knew about something or how like we don't all know everything. Like we're just trying, like no one knows everything here. I feel like people really tended to relate to that. And then it selfishly helped me because I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Like I, sometimes I think, you know, everyone has their kind of levels of imposter syndrome of like sitting there being like, I don't know everything about every platform and I'm not getting this right. I'm the only one who doesn't because I'm looking at all these marketers who are just like killing it with everything. And I think that just selfishly helped. And I think, you know, other people kind of relate to that of like, no, I also don't know everything. And marketers don't know everything. And especially in social media, things are changing so quickly. And there's just like a new platform every six months. There's just no way to be a master of everything at all times. Um, and I think, you know, once I kind of started putting a little bit more effort into my Twitter, I realized like you just meet incredible people. Like I never would have met you guys had I not been, you know, joining in in conversations and seeing what you guys were doing and just being so amazed at the content that you guys were putting out. And then Twitter is just this great, really casual, accessible way to just like reach out and start a conversation, you know, and just kind of build those relationships. And, you know, I was never going to be the best networker. Like I just back in the day, like when we were in college, like I remember I went to a networking event where it was like everyone was in a ballroom and you like had a name tag and you just like try and go up to people. And like that is that was just never going to be me. It was never like I'm kind of an extrovert, but not in groups of people that I don't know. So it was just like never going to be something that was successful for me. And I think Twitter has really been a nice like even kind of playing field for that networking in a sense, but you don't need to be the most outgoing in the room to forge those connections. And you can just kind of like casually jump into a conversation that marketers are having and either just be like, oh, I really liked that content or like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. How did you do that? And you can just really casually create those connections that you wouldn't otherwise. And I think that's just really kind of what I started doing was just following people that were creating content that was way cooler than anything I was doing and watching what they were doing and kind of getting inspiration from that and then lucky enough to be able to like create friendships like this. You know, I've obviously never met you guys in person, but like at some point we will. And I'm like, this is just like, wouldn't have met you guys otherwise, wouldn't have been here without it. First off, absolutely. I, I've always felt that we would be really good friends, but like after yes. this, I'm like convinced that we would be best friends. <laughs> yes. So that's exciting for me. Um, going back to the imposter syndrome real quick. Um, I think this is really important. Like I've had really, Boz and I talk about this all the time. Like I really struggle with imposter syndrome. I'm sure our listeners to some degree have as well. Can you just, um, in your own words, describe what imposter syndrome is, how you've kind of struggled with it. And like, just to explain it for people that may maybe have not heard about it um, and how you've like kind of overcome that. Yeah, I think it's funny because there was a while that like I had that feeling and didn't know what the name was for it. And then I think it was from Twitter too, where like someone had mentioned like, oh, this is what I'm dealing with imposter syndrome. And I was like, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, that's what I've been feeling. Like I didn't know what there was like a term for it, but that was it. And it's that feeling that like, I think of it as, and I don't know, this is like the actual definition of like, you know, I don't deserve to be at the table or like everyone in this meeting, you know, really is so smart and knows what they're doing. And like, are they going to be able to see through this mask that I'm wearing that like, I actually don't know what I'm doing. And like, I'm just kind of winging it. And like, they're so much smarter than I am. And I don't know that I like deserve to be with this group. Um, and so there's obviously different, you know, levels of that. And there's times where I'm like, no, I'm crushing it. Like I know what I'm doing and I'm, it's, it's going awesome. And this was super successful. And then there's other times where I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I see other people doing stuff or I just don't think that 
I have all the experience that people think that I have. And that's like a really scary thought of that. Like people are viewing you in a way that you don't even view yourself. Um, and I think, I can't remember whoever said it, but I remember someone had mentioned that, you know, with imposter syndrome, you know, just because something comes easily to you doesn't mean it's easy. It means maybe that you've just had so much experience doing something that like you've just really mastered it. And so I think for me, you know, working in the same place for so long and, you know, working on these accounts for as long as I have, that I think kind of helped me kind of like rework the way that I think about it. And that is this something that is super easy and people think is challenging or is it more that I've just been doing it for so long and I know our fans really well and I've just been spending a lot of time growing this experience that it's just coming to me easier because I have that experience. It doesn't mean that it's easy and my job is easy and anyone could do it. It's that like, give myself a pat on the back. Like I've just been doing this for a long time that I've kind of mastered it so it comes easier to me. So I think, you know, really coming back and checking on that is helpful for me. And also like just having like a good support system. You know, I think it's having a support system that works in social so that can kind of understand what you're going through. And then on the flip side, people that don't work in social that when I'm explaining something that I'm doing and then they're like, you know, oh my gosh, like I never would have thought about that or that's a really interesting way to think about it. And then it helps me be like, oh, that's right. Like, it's just the way that I think about it without even giving it a second thought because I've just been doing this for this long. But it's helpful when you kind of bring in other people that aren't in that world to kind of help show you like, no, you you actually do have expertise in this area. This isn't just like anyone could sit down and do it. So I think it's, I mean, it's something that I'm always working on. You know, I don't know that it's ever gonna go away, um, but it's, you know, those little things and kind of checking in with people. And, you know, if I'm feeling frustrated or let down, you know, communicating that with people in my life. I think those are things that always, that always help. For sure. I appreciate you explaining that. Um, you are absolutely worthy of being at the table. Again, super, super talented. And from everything that I've seen, not only on your own personal account, but on Gillette Stadium, one of the brightest minds in the industry. And I'm not just saying that to say that because you're a guest. Truly one of my favorite followers. Um, so 14 years of events, Amar and I are talking about on the team side, like we're both very tired right now towards the end of the regular season. I had a game last night, Amara's in New York, but I can't imagine the sheer amount of events because we have 82 games in the regular season and we feel like that's a lot. I'm sure you have many more events, especially over the course of 14 years. How do you balance mentally, you know, emotionally and just personally take care of yourself with, I'm assuming being involved in so many of not only the events, but the promotion of said events um, as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, and I think a good thing of recent years has been that real focus on mental health, you know, and making sure that people are taking time for themselves and giving themselves breaks, I think has been a really good kind of shift in the way that people think about, you know, the work environment. And so for me, it's, you know, when I have time off, like taking that time off and like unchecking and, you know, putting my, even if it's when I'm at home, like putting my phone in a different room, like if that's something where I can like, literally just not be tempted to look at my phone or like refresh my Twitter feed in like those little pieces. Um, and you know, we're lucky. I mean, football is, you know, it's certainly not like the NBA, like crazy long season. Um, so, you know, we're not doing that. Like I'm not traveling on the road nonstop. I genuinely don't know how you guys do it. Like I would not know what city I was in on any given day. It would just would not work for me. I, I can't imagine it. Um, but for us, it's, you know, making sure that, you know, if there's an event that, you know, doesn't fall under our department, if it's, you know, football or soccer, it's, you know, me 
not necessarily asking for help, but like leaning on other people of like, if this is your event and this is your content, like you're taking this and running with it, you know, just let me know how I can help. Like not overextending myself in a way that I don't have to, like, this isn't an event that's under our department, really like focus your energy on those. And when there are other teams that are managing other events, like they're the ones that you can like help them. It doesn't need to be you all the time. Um, I also just think, you know, for our concerts, you know, they're spread out kind of over the summer. So usually it's not like four weekends in a row. You know, sometimes we've had a couple in a row where like when you have three concerts in a row, Taylor Swift, like that's just like, you can't get out of bed the next day. It's so exhausting. But for the other ones, you know, it does, it kind of goes in highs and lows. And for a concert is really interesting because it's this like seven day, essentially like build of the crews come in, they're loading in a stage, they're building a whole stage together the whole crowd comes in and then like the next day is completely gone, you know? So it's not seven days in a row of being there, you know, until midnight. Um, but it's, you know, being able to be there for kind of like the beginning of it, like the excitement of it. And then it's just all gone really quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, to your earlier point, I think it's just, you know, when we have time off, you know, in between seasons, you know, when football's over, when soccer, you know, before they've started, when teams are away is like unchecking as best you can and not working on weekends, not working late into the night, like making sure that you're creating those boundaries for yourself so you're not overextending yourself. So when an event comes back, you're already behind the, the you know, the, the eight ball on it. For sure. I have a one quick follow-up. So in the events industry and specifically at Gillette, uh, on the digital and social side, how does your team tend to define success? Like, is it metrics? Is it, you know, ticket like what does that look like for you i think it's a combination of you know metrics and you know obviously engagement and like the you know the really shallow things of like followers and you know all those little things um but overall you know it's ticket sales you know we want all of our events to sell out and so the the reason why we started these accounts was to help with our promotional efforts and using it as you know a fourth leg of you know print radio tv and now digital to help sell these you know, we're lucky that a lot of our events that go on sale instantly sell out, which makes my life a lot easier. And then it becomes really fun because it's just creating engaging, fun content for fans and building hype and communicating things out to people. Um, but for events that don't sell out immediately, that's then, you know, kind of a second tier of the marketing process of kind of like regrouping with, you know, the tour and their marketing team and our marketing team and figuring out, you know, what's our plan for moving X number of tickets before show day gets here. Um, and I think also recently it's kind of pivoted to, to become a big resource for customer service. And I think a lot of people these days, like if you're going to an event, like you're not going to call a customer service number or like email someone necessarily. Like if you want something solved immediately, like social media is a really prompt way that you feel like people can hear you. And so for us, that's been, I think a big kind of shift in how we operate. And, you know, we've had like for, I think it was a Patriots game like two years ago, you know, we had someone whose seat was broken and they were tweeting out just the angriest stuff. And rightly so, like that's super frustrating that you pay this money and you come and your seat's broken. But we have the opportunity to, you know, direct message that person, get their location, sent out, you know, an op staffer to her and fix the seat within like 30 minutes. And so that person's awful experience turned into this like really incredible positive one because she was so impressed with how quickly we were able to turn that around. And so I just always feel like, you know, we always say we have like a lot of the time, like one moment to capture these fans. And if they don't have a good experience at our venue, 
you know, they're not going to come back. And, you know, for season ticket members, you know, they're coming year after year and that's, you know, that's different. But for concert goers, a lot of our concert goers have never been here before. They're only coming to this. And if they don't have a good time here, they're never going to come back. And so we have this one opportunity when they step on our property to make sure that we have given them all the information that they need to make sure that they have a good experience with the hopes that, you know, they have, you know, a great, easy parking experience, getting in the building, great experience, and then they'll come back. You know, if you miss that one moment, it's really hard to get those fans back. Absolutely. Yeah, I think just the last question I have is, um, you know, we have a lot of young people that are either trying to get into the industry or are in the industry um, listening to this podcast. What is some advice that you would give either people that are trying to get into sports or that are already in just, you know, general, general advice that you give? Yeah, you know, when I'm talking to students, I think one of the things that I try to, you know, communicate is that, you know, there's only so many NBA teams and so many NFL teams and so many social teams that go along with those. Like, it's a very finite number of spots for those kind of like elusive roles, right? And so I think for, you know, students that are looking to get into sports to kind of broaden that view of what working in sports is, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm working at a venue, working for a team or working for an athlete. It could be, you know, working for a marketing firm or an ad agency or, you know, all these different digital groups, you know, that that touch upon sports and have those connections um, that, you know, you can start out in might be the best fit. If it's not the best fit, you know, you're going to get some experience under you working with sports, you know, included in sports, but not just like I am working for this team. This is the only role I want. Like I'm an NBA fan. I want to work for an NBA team. It's just those roles are so rare that it, the dream job is probably not going to be available when you graduate. But it's so helpful to get that experience ahead of time. And, you know, for us, when we are hiring, you know, I think we see a lot of students that work in, you know, college athletics program or, you know, in, you know, like the minors and, you know, these like, you know, AAA affiliates or whatever it is that is so helpful because these smaller groups, you know, I think the roles tend to, you know, you have to do so much more and the roles aren't necessarily specified. Like if you're working for a college athletics program, like you're doing promotions on event day, like maybe you're the mascot one day, maybe you're helping out in the ticket office, like maybe you're helping out with marketing. Like there's so much all over the board that these smaller programs that maybe don't have as robust staff have you doing that is so helpful. Like I'd rather have someone with a resume that has experience doing like all these 50 different things and kind of know how a full operation runs than like one specified, you know, targeted goal that they've been working for for so long. Um, and then I think, you know, we talked about before of just like joining in like those kind of social conversations and do that kind of casual networking. You know, I'm, I love talking to students. Like I would talk to anyone, you know, when my time permits of, you know, just going through my background and how I got to where I am and what I do. And I think a lot of people would. And if, you know, students or anyone looking to get into sports, if you're not getting into the conversation with that looming, like, do you have a job for me? I think people are really willing to just like have that kind of informal info interview of just kind of going over where they got of how they got to where they are. And then maybe in the future, if something opens up, like that's a name that they're thinking of, or if you know, if you, that's a connection that you continue to foster and reach out and kind of keep up there, I think can only help you. And, and social media, for instance, is just such a good way to do that. And it's just so casual and easy. And I think a lot of people out there, you know, are willing to take the time to speak to students, you know, if they have questions. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that about um, like start. You're not going to get your dream job most likely right out of college because I kind of went through that experience and like my experience at Fox Sports 
literally set me up for my entire career thus far. And like, I really would not, I don't think I would be in the MBA if I hadn't had that experience. And to be honest, when I first got it, I had the mindset of like, well, it's not the MBA, but like looking back, like I would not be here. So I appreciate you saying that. That's great advice. For sure. Um, That's all we have for our show today. Uh, But Cassie, where can people find you at on Twitter slash Instagram slash wherever? Yeah, everything is literally just at Cassie Epstein, Cassie with a K. I just, it just was easier for me to keep track of everything. So it's really just my name on every social media channel. And everyone can, anyone can find me and reach out to me there. Amar and I both recommend people doing that. Uh, Appreciate Cassie, you taking the time today and appreciate our sponsor, Women in Sports Technology, they're an organization focusing on advancing opportunities for women in sports tech, and they recently launched the WIS Network, a career hub which helps women find opportunities at all levels in businesses that support diverse workforces, which of course Amara and I also support, and Cassie. (laughs) Um, You can join for free right now at www.wisnetwork.org. Uh, please make sure to do that. We really appreciate uh, the WIS Network and Women in Sports Technology for their sponsorship of this um, and loved hearing all the answers from Cassie today. So thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. This was so fun.